You're listening to Up to the Mic. If you want to learn about the struggles and triumphs of starting a business, performing for sold-out arenas, or inspiring those you lead, Up to the Mic is the show for you. Throw on some headphones and get ready to listen as our host, Vinny Hale, sits down to showcase the stories of those who deserve their stories be told. From young entrepreneurs to critically acclaimed musicians and so much more, Vinny helps compile a season of interviews that inspire listeners to follow in the footsteps of his guests. Welcome to season one. My next guest changed his plans for a business career to pursue a career in coaching. He's a current member of the USC Trojans football coaching staff and was previously a member of the Texas A&M football team from 2012 to 2016. He's got strong ties to the beloved place that we call Aggieland. And as he continues his transition to the West Coast, he sits down to tell us all about his love for the game, family legacy, and everything else you'd want to know about his incredible story. Connor McQueen, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Vinny. Yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, we were chatting right before we hopped on and I was telling everybody kind of the story of how I ended up getting you on the show. And uh, it was just an Instagram DM, but it started a long time ago before I actually went to college. We're, we were talking about earlier, I think we're exactly four years apart. And I uh, was going through and just trying to find people that were in A&M before I got up there because I didn't really have a whole lot of ties to College Station or to A&M. Had a few family friends and the family that I moved up with, but um, I saw your name and I was like, oh, man, sweet. Like this guy on the football team, like follow him for sure. And little did I know, I would just kind of keep up with your story ever since then. And from we both ended up going through the same program at A&M. few years apart here and there but then you went on to kind of change paths and go into coaching and we're going to get into all that but that's kind of our background here and uh to give sorry for the interruption but this podcast is brought to you by footy international footy international is a forward-thinking sustainable apparel company based in austin texas that creates socks geared for worldwide adventures the co-founders engineered these socks from plastic bottles to optimize comfort durability and sustainability all with an entirely usa-made supply chain with specifically added technology like antimicrobial treatment and rib sole knitting you can wear these everywhere you explore every day and socks are just a start for this company keep an eye out for their new product releases coming soon save the planet and your feet today by using code up to the mic 10 for 10 percent off site-wide at footyinternational.com well, now let's get into a little bit of your background now, and I just want you to kind of tell everybody about where you're from and what your upbringing was like, what you enjoyed as a kid, and if was football always in the picture, just, you know, kind of start from there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm from Spring, Texas. I grew up, I went to high school at Klein Oak High School. Um, my grandfather was a high school football coach for over 40 years and was uh, in the state of Texas. He was actually at Temple High School for a long time. My dad actually played quarterback all three of my grandfather's son. So my dad and, uh, and both of his, uh, both of his other sons, my uncles all played high school football for my granddad. So, I mean, football was always in our family, um, always was a huge part of my life growing up. I mean, it wasn't the only thing I enjoyed going hunting and fishing with my dad. Um, first love was baseball, played baseball for, uh, 11 years and then started playing football a little bit and, quickly realized that I not only enjoyed football more than I enjoyed baseball, but I was also better at it, which those two probably coincide a little bit. Um, And so, yeah, just ended up uh, 
played a, you know, we had a great high school career. I had some really good teammates and still some of those, some of those guys that, that I played with in, in high school are still my best friends today. And, and we went on a great run my senior year and was lucky enough to, you know, they always say that, you know, if you, if your team wins in high school, that's, you know, what we tell a lot of high school recruits, your team wins in high school, the coaches will find you. Right. And so we, uh, you know, we had a successful senior season and I had the opportunity whenever Kevin Sumlin took over at AM, he extended me a position to walk on and to, uh, to play at AM. I had some opportunities to play um, at some lower level schools, um, not being the biggest guy. I, you know, I was being recruited by division one, uh, like some D one double a schools, F- FCF schools, um, a couple of the Ivy leagues and things like that. But uh, whenever A&M came, that was too big of an offer to pass up. Well, we're, we're, we were definitely glad to have you in whatever, you know, realm that was, but I got to ask and follow up about the baseball there. So, were you, I know quarterback in football, did it transition to baseball the same way? Were you a pitcher or like, would you play all? No, absolutely plays? not. No, I, I played shortstop. Um, I could honestly say that I can probably throw a football just about as hard or even harder than I can throw a baseball. I just never really could grasp it all that well. Um, I was great at baseball until I started throwing curveballs and then I started grounding out to the shortstop and being out in front of everything. So once they stopped throwing fastballs, I was out of there. Oh, so you didn't, did you continue playing all the way through high school or you kind of, once you started feeling that the, the difference maker there with the curveball, you tailed off and just focused yeah, on football? Yeah, I, I played, I played my freshman year of high school and then, uh, and then decided kind of what was going to be best for me is that I decided to stick to football in the fall. And then I actually ran track during the springs during the off season solely just to get faster and to kind of improve my speed and everything like that. Cause I felt like that was a place where I could get better at my, in my game. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny. Cause I was, like baseball was always my love. I was never, never the best by any means. And I was never, definitely never the best in football. I played, you know, a little bit growing up and uh, definitely let that go to the wayside as I got older. But uh, it's funny you mentioned running track just to kind of stay in shape because I was similar in a way where it was when baseball was not in season, I did cross country to stay in shape, which would have been during most people's football season. Right. Um, but the buddies of mine that didn't play football and were just kind of in baseball, I guess, off season, you'd call it in high school, uh, our coach would send them out to the cross country practice to run with me and the rest of the team. <laughs> and they hated me for it. I mean, absolutely hated me for it. But it was, you know, I'm sure you can attest to the fact that it's similar to running track. Absolutely. It's a good character builder, if nothing else. <laughs> right. Um, well, okay, you mentioned kind of your family history a little bit and how they were all quarterbacks. Um, I was doing a little bit of research, a little bit of background info on you, but did your dad or grandfather they play at AM or go to AM? do you have um, there's a family lineage there am I right yeah absolutely so uh my dad played quarterback at AM um in the late 70s early 80s that's where he met my mom uh, my mom also went to Texas A&M uh, my grandfather went to Texas A&M back in the 30s or 40s so you know a long time ago uh, my grandmother so um uh who was his husband or yes his wife um she's been a season ticket holder for AM games for i mean she was for like 40 50 years so a long long time um so yeah there's definitely a lot of family history there you know i i went to my first texas a&m game when i was six weeks old we've got the baby pictures and everything with my a&m earmuffs on so you know i would always grown up an aggie fan and so that was whenever that's why whenever i say that i had the opportunity to walk on there and play there it was kind of a no-brainer for me yeah i know that that's pretty cool how I was never an Aggie growing up. Um, I actually had family that nobody ever went to A&M. Nobody really went to Texas much either. There was a little bit of a rivalry just for whoever they pulled for. Um, so I didn't have a big family lineage like that. But once I got to A&M, 
And even before then, uh, my best friend growing up, he ended up kind of pulling me along with his family and going up there. And I'm so thankful for that. But it was crazy to see how much of an impact that is, like having people that you know in your family, if not your, you know, parents or grandparents, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I've noticed it with being Aggies and they always kind of like rant on and on about it, how, you know, Aggies take care of each other. And that's part of the reason I'm sure you agreed to the interview. So I really appreciate that. But I never, I, I never realized how like actually meaningful it is until I started seeing how some of the families come through there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I'm a fourth or fifth generation Aggie. Right. And uh, it's cool to listen to your story and just kind of connect those dots and see how, you know, I thought about it differently so long ago. Yep, but, my uh, my little sister also graduated um, from A and M as well. So, yep, we're uh, we're we're through and through there. Yeah, it's like you had all these offers, or you know, regardless of where they were. Even you mentioned Ivy League, and you used to say, "Yeah, A and M came knocking." That was it. Walk on, cool. I'm about it. <laughs> so, yep. well, I know we kind of briefly mentioned on it there when I was doing the intro, but tell us about the career path change. I know you were. Uh, we were both actually in the PPA program. For those of you who don't know, it's professional program of accounting at AM. So just the accounting program to make it easy. And then now you're coaching. So did you finish the program? What was the change of heart? Kind of take us through that whole process. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I'd always kind of wanted to go into coaching. Actually, whenever I went to college, that was initially what I wanted to do. Um, just because, I mean, that's, I always looked up to my grandfather and him doing that. I always, always wanted to be in that world and in that space. And, um, got into the PPA program and decided, I was like, Hey, I'm pretty good at this and enjoy the way that all this works. And, you know, they do a great job of, of structuring it and everything to where they kind of, it puts you in position to find out what you like and what you don't like, especially through the recruiting process and um, signed my internship to work for a good company, had a great time, got a full-time job offer out of it going into my last year. And I actually accepted it and was like, you know what, this is, this is going to be great. I had a great time doing it. And as I got near the end of my last football season, um, kind of started, you know, that's when life kind of hits you whenever you're getting ready to get done with college. And I started thinking, you know, is this really what I want to do for the rest of the rest of my life? And I just found that I wasn't really excited for the next chapter of my life and started really kind of, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a man of faith. And so I really started praying on it. Started started really kind of investing some time, some conversation with some people that I really care about um, and really respect their opinions and started kind of talking through some stuff. And it kind of kept on coming up that I just really, really wasn't ready, ready to get out of football yet. And I just felt called to do that and, and called to serve in that regard. And, and so without a job prospect at all, um, without any promises from the coaching staff, anything like that, um, I, you know, I will say I, I talked to Dr. Shop first, who runs the PPA program, who I, uh, who I have a great relationship with. And I asked what he thought. I asked basically for his blessing if I could turn down my uh, my job offer to go coach football. So got the thumbs up from him, um, and then yeah, called the uh, called the firm, and they were very understanding. They actually gave me uh, an extension. They said, you know what, if it doesn't work out for two years, we'll keep your offer open. So if you want to come back, um, you're more than welcome. And I so I really appreciated that. But um, so yeah, so started pursuing coaching options. Told Coach Sumlin about it whenever I was at A and M, and he basically said, all right, for the spring, you can be a student coach. And then after that, we'll kind of evaluate and see from there. Halfway through the spring gets by and they basically created a position on the staff for me. And so when I went to them right before I graduated, I said, hey, coach, can you help me get a job, please? Can you like reach out to some other people? He said, with all due respect, um, I'm not going to do that for you because we want to keep you here. I said, okay, sounds good. When do I start? (laughs) 
that's the best no, you know, to hear right there. Exactly. Like, no, I'm not going to help you because, uh, you know, we, oh, we don't let you go too far. It definitely caught me off guard when he said no. I'm like, oh, okay. And then you, and then he proceeded to say that. I was like, okay, that makes sense. That makes you yes. feel a little better. Uh, it's a scary feeling, but I'm glad it all worked out for you. Uh, well, that kind of brings me into your coaching career now. Um, tell us about kind of – there's kind of twofold here. I definitely want to get to your time at USC, but you've worked at a couple different places, a little bit of time at A&M, and obviously all your time on the team at A&M. And then forgive me if I'm missing a few places, but you went to Oklahoma and mm-hmm. then – was it just Oklahoma and then USC or were you somewhere else before Oklahoma? I was actually at the Crosstown Rival. I was at uh, UCLA. That's after, right. That's you know, right. UCLA for two years, um, Oklahoma for two, and now uh, now at USC. Okay, well, take us through kind of – I know coaching is different from every level, from every school, from every position on the field. Take us through kind of the differences between schools there. Like I know some, they're not even all in the same conference. So what are kind of some similarities and some differences that you've noticed throughout your first few years in coaching? Um, I guess the biggest similarity in which I've been very blessed to have the opportunity to coach at some great places is that, you know, the facilities are top notch, nutrition, weight room, staff, academic support. I mean, everything is top tier at all the places that I've been at now. And, and I know that's, you know, I'm not blind to see that that's not the case everywhere. And that's what makes these institutions so successful and able to have so many successes because of all the money that's being put back into those programs. So they have the ready, the, you know, these resources that are readily available, but uh, I just, in terms of differences, it's really, you know, obviously coaches go from place to place and they can kind of bring their own culture, but there's also a culture of the administration and the people who just, who work within the program and who work throughout the athletic program that aren't necessarily tied to a coaching staff. So that's been really cool for me, um, just in something that I'm interested in, just kind of seeing the way the organizations flow and stuff is, is getting to meet the people who have been at a place for, say, you know, 15, 20 years who have been working in academics at OU or in academics at UCLA or now at USC who have been here through staff turnover and changes and everything just to kind of see how they flow and interact. Um, I think that's probably the biggest difference is obviously the people's cha- the people change and the players change. But at the end of the day, I mean, aside from the relationships that you have with the players, um, you know, football is football. You know, it's just X's and O's. There's 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense, and then you got special teams every once in a while. So um, other than that, I think that's the biggest thing. It's just, you know, the people outside the program that also are so influential and that have so much of an impact on what you do on a day-to-day basis that you don't really always think about um, in terms of, you know, the coaching staff, the players, you know, the AD. Other than that, there's just so many other moving parts that, you know, that are usually at a place for the long run that are not necessarily loyal to a specific person or a coach or a player, but they're loyal to that university. And that's what kind of makes, uh, you know, my journey pretty special is getting to see all those different universities. It's, it's just the X's and O's. That's a strange coming from a football guy like you. I know I, uh, it's probably easy to simplify it that way, but there's a lot more that goes into it. You know, I mean, you're in the office, I say office, you're in the, is that what you call it? You're in the offices right now. Yeah, Yeah. You're in the, in the locker room, whatever, however you phrase it these days, I'm sure the facility has all kinds of different stuff going on, like you mentioned, but uh, there's a lot more that goes into it than just X's and O's. So yeah, I don't I'm know current, if it's, yeah. I'm currently sitting in a room that has four, obviously it has four walls. Only one has paint on it. The other three walls have whiteboard paint. So you can literally on every square inch of three of the walls, write with a dry erase marker and draw plays on it. So that's uh, yeah. there, there are a few X's and O's and a little bit more that goes into it, but. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, let's make sure there's none in the background now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, don't want any of uh, Lincoln's Lincoln's plays going to waste uh, for the upcoming season. We're excited to see all that uh, him and the staff do, like yourself. So that's kind of the next little topic I want to hit on here is what is your role here in the coaching staff at USC? Like, what do you do on a daily basis? Kind of, I mean, I don't want to say a day in the life, but typically, yeah, like what's your role and then what's a day look like, uh, you know, for being a coach at USC and underneath Lincoln Riley and how the whole, you know, program functions now. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to get, you know, too, too in depth with all of it, but I mean, I've also only been here for 23 days. So um, with that being said, you know, basically uh, my role, I'm, a, I'm in a graduate assistant role. So that's just a, a support staff role because there's only 10, there's the head coach and 10 full-time coaches. And then you have a couple different support staff members on offense and on defense. And so I'm working for coach Riley. And so working with the quarterbacks and then and some of the offensive skill positions as well. And so kind of my role right now, especially is just kind of helping the young guys and helping all the guys on the team um, just basically understand what we're trying to do offensively. Um, you know, obviously get around and build relationships, um, you know, just sit down, spend time with them because that's really what the, you know, really what a lot of the guys what they crave and what's enjoyable about this job, but then also, you know, teaching them what we do, how we do it. Cause a lot of the same, a lot of the, a lot of the things that we do offensively and defensively are going to translate from what they've done before, but just how we're going to do them differently. Um, you know, how we're going to communicate it, what we're going to call things, everything like that. Just try to kind of put it in a way that's easy for them to understand. And, and, you know, basically the quicker they understand, the quicker that we can start striving towards, you know, mastery of, uh, of all the concepts that we do. Yeah, it, it seems like a big part of any coach's job is just developing the players. Aside from teaching them how to develop in, you know, everything on the field, like you said, just spending time with them is a mm-hmm. huge part of it. That's kind of the missing piece to a lot of kids. And so I was going to ask about some guys you've played with growing up, no one in particular, but I wanted to ask. I, uh, I actually was listening to some sports show the other day, and so I'm going to steal a little bit I heard from them. They were asking a coach, and they were saying, you know, you've probably played with or coached for, you know, coached a wide variety of guys aside from you know the biggest name you could probably drop what aside from them or you know maybe the most skillful player who's the guy that was just the one you wanted in the locker room you know the guy that just had whether it was character whether it was jokes whether it was just like some intangible that you can't really put a finger on is there anybody like comes to mind when I mention something like that um I'd say two um both in their own different way um Colin Gillespie at A&M and then also Christian Kirk, also at AM. Just in that, you know, they have two very different personalities, but they both have very just they the way that they attract people to them, and they they're just such natural leaders, just in the way, just the energy and the vibe in which they carry themselves. Um, you know, Cullen's much more outgoing and 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 funny and and loud at times, and you know, he's, he has a, a great personality. He's, he, he's he'll have a conversation with literally anybody. And, but when it comes down to it, he, he does a, he always did a great job of like kind of flipping that switch when he was joking and when he was serious and like when it was time to go. And I, and I do really appreciate that about him. Cause I think a lot of the young guys that he's played with and, you know, a lot of the guys that came up behind him, they really saw that and saw that, you know what, there's a time, there's a time and place for each. Um, and I think that was really, really effective in terms of being a leader because you don't always have to be a domineering leader to be able to get people to follow you. Right. You can, you can have both sides of you. And then also Christian Kirk, just because of how meticulous he, he has been. Um, I'm still very good friends with both of those guys, but Christian Kirk is probably the most meticulous individual I've met in my entire life. Um, just about every single thing that he's done. Um, it all seems very calculated. 
um, whether he's running routes, whether he's working out, whether he's doing yoga or Pilates and doing stretches, everything is just, it's all it's, his, his alignment is so it's so focused that it's impossible to not just say, all right, let me get behind this guy because his goals and his actions are so aligned that um, it's, it's truly impressive. And I think that's why he's going on to have the success that he's had and, and will continue to have success in the NFL. Yeah. When, when you see guys like, like Kirk, like you mentioned how he's so meticulous and so aligned, you're either going to want to jump on board and just do everything you can to either go with and or help that person or just get the hell out of the way because you right. know they've got a plan already and you don't want to you know you're, you're just in a nervous state where you're like, you know what i'm not even gonna worry about this guy i'm letting him i'm gonna stay in my own lane for lack of better words let him right. keep going um I've, I've heard stories about people like that and it seems to be a very common trait in successful people that you mm-hmm. know having that very meticulous mind and attention to detail and um i like the way you use the word alignment because it's just like it seems like everything that those types of people do, and I'm definitely not this way. I have like all these plans, and it's like if you were to ever actually try and connect the dots with like how my daily actions try and get me there, you wouldn't realize it. And then like somewhere down the line, like whether it's like a month later or a year later or five years later, it's like, well, damn, I finally made it there. Like that was cool. Like it worked out, but at the same time, I didn't take it on the right path. Like guys like that probably do. That's something I need to get better at. But uh, no, it's cool. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. Of course. Um, well, you know, we've talked about all your coaching stuff and about your time at A&M, but just to kind of get, I don't want to say like deep, but just more, I guess, personal to talk about Connor, you know, like what's big, what are the big goals for you? What do you have? What big plans do you have for yourself? Both, you know, up in the coming year with, you know, the team you're on now and then going forward, like what, where do you see, I know it's probably a tough question, but where do you see your life headed here? And what's the big goal for you? Uh, I feel like it's kind of tough to tell. I mean, if you would have asked me this question four years ago, I never would have thought that I'd be coaching football in Southern California. Um, so it, I think that is the cool thing about the spontaneity of it all is that it is ever changing in college football. And so you, I mean, you never know where you're going to be and, you know, someone could pick up the phone and, and call and, you know, just like that, everything changes. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting, but I think the biggest thing that I learned early on that I kind of, repeat to myself pretty much every day is just to be where your feet are and to be great in, in your current role. And I think that's been something that's benefited me because I've been around quite a few people that have only been thinking about the next job and the next job and how can I get here and how can I get here quicker? And I think that there's just so much value in the process and in the journey of just saying, you know, let me be as great as I can be today. And, and that will kind of take care of whatever's going to happen next. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, in the short term or, you know, within the next year. Or so I think that's kind of the space that I'm operating in just because, I mean, this is a great place. I'm in a, I'm in a phenomenal situation and, you know, I'm very blessed and there's people all over the place that would love to have the the job that I currently have. And, you know, I say job very lightly. I don't think of it much as a job. It's just a hobby that I get to do every day. It's a lot of fun. Um, but I mean, I think, I think one day, I think, you know, a lot of, especially as a young coach, I think a lot of people have aspirations to become a head coach one day. Um, in, in terms of what that looks like, at what level that looks like, I'm not necessarily too specific. Um, you know, I think I would like to have that responsibility. I, I do enjoy, like I said, just seeing the way that organizations are structured and the way that organizations flow and interact. Um, I think that being a head coach, you have a whole lot of control over that and a whole lot of say in terms of, you know, how that happens on a day-to-day basis, but also just kind of the macro 
of it all. And, and I, and I do really enjoy that. And I think that would be a cool challenge. I know it's arguably a, one of the more stressful jobs. Um, but I think, you know, obviously, you know, where I am now, it's obviously not the, not a, not necessarily something that's on the horizon, but I think with the experience that I will gain throughout my career, I think that, you know, whenever the time's right, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll have the opportunity to do that. Well, they might have a, an opening in uh, Dallas after Jerry Jones gets ready to fire McCarthy. <laughs> so if, uh, if you're looking to apply, I know, I know a great position where I'd love to have you, but uh, <laughs> no, 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 that is, it's a, not to make light of it, but I, uh, it is really cool to hear those big goals and aspirations that you have. I really, I'm pulling for you. I hope it all works out. I'm, I'd like to see you in that role someday in whatever facet that may be. Um, but to get a little, like, to dig a little deeper behind that, is it a family? I guess let me backtrack a little bit. I, I'm trying to get at what motivates you to want to, you know, kind of get up and do what you do every day. Is it the guys you get to be around? Is it, you know, your family that did something similar when, you know, in playing football or just being your parents or whoever it may be like who or what kind of motivates you every day? Uh, I mean, a little bit everything. I I feel like I pull from a lot of different from a lot of different streams. Um, You know, it's definitely not family pressure or anything of that nature. Just because my grandfather did it. My my dad played college football. That's never really been something that's that's affected me all that much. I mean, my parents are absolute rock stars. They never once forced any sports upon me you know they said you know he can play sports if he wants we'd like you to be involved in something um but what what it is it's your pick and so I didn't play football until I was in fifth grade and then finally I was like hey can I play football and they're like yeah of course but they never forced it upon me or anything like that um you know I just obviously they've done a whole lot for me in my life my parents have and so just always trying to trying to make them proud I feel like as as, as a lot of as a lot of of children do um, want to make their parents proud, but, you know, just kind of a, and in terms of being a Christian, everything, just kind of having a heart to serve. And I think this is the best Avenue that I've found for me in terms of being able to give back to people um, just because of, you know, my, just kind of my general disposition, my energy, my attitude, uh, my communication skills. I feel like they all kind of coincide with this and also my knowledge base and experience. Um, You know, I feel like this is my best way of giving back and being able to pour into and a young man. And I really feel called, especially at the college level, just because it's such an influential time in young men's lives, because you're transitioning from being at home with your parents, a lot of guidance, right. Or whatever that situation may be, if you're with your grandparents aunt, uncles, guardians, however that situation is, and you go off on your own and there's literally like 24 hours and then boom, you're a grown up or you're expected to be at least. And so for that four or five years, however long you spend in college, you're basically trying to figure out who you want to be as a man or as a woman. And so I think it's such an influential time in a young person's life. Whereas, you know, you look at the NFL and it's all very transactional and you look at the high school level and you're just trying to get kids to, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of helping them through puberty and, and into like the growth stages of their life where, you know, college is such an impactful time. And it wasn't a very impactful time for me as well um, to where I think you can really have a, a strong impact on, on the trajectory of a, of a young person's life. It was very, very motivational, very inspirational. So that was really cool to hear. I, it kind of answered the follow-up question I was going to have to that, but I'll see if you have anything that you want to expand on. I was just going to see, you know, aside from what you just mentioned, um, is there any sort of advice you'd give to someone going through that growth stage right now in college, you know, with someone like you that took a chance on yourself and decided to switch, 
you know, what you were planning on doing had already accepted a job offer, had this, you know, kind of staple to fall back on this plan. And then you decided, you know, I'm going to take a chance and do something else. And it's worked out very well for you. Is there any advice you'd have for someone maybe, maybe at that stage, maybe prior to, you know, even being there, just kind of some guidance for anybody that might be going through something similar? Yeah. I mean, just, I know it's, it's kind of a blanket statement and I've been in a very blessed situation because I mean, literally everything kind of fell down in front of me and worked out really well for me. Um, but just to find whatever you're passionate about. And I know that's difficult to say, especially if you're, you know, eight, 17, 18, 19 years old, you don't know what you're passionate about. You don't even know what that is, but as you continue to grow and develop, just like, what, what do you find? Like, what do you find enjoyment in, but what do you feel fulfilled by? Right. What, what doesn't just make you happy, but what makes you feel full. Right. And just like, what can you wake up every single day? And like, you're not just rolling out of bed, like you're banging your feet on the ground saying, all right, let's go do this again today. I feel like that's something that whenever, whenever you're doing that, you're operating in that space, then you're doing something that you're supposed to be doing and, uh, and just trying to continue to chase that. And, you know, I kind of joked with myself, I can always go back and be an accountant, but um, you know, not to disrespect any, any of the accountants out there, but I can, I can always, you know, I can always, you know, brush up on my, uh, on my CPA knowledge, but I won't always have the opportunity to be a college football coach. So, you know, you got to take a, take advantage of the opportunities whenever you have them and take a leap of faith every once in a while. Well, thanks for calling me out there as uh, you can always go back and be an accountant like Vinny. So uh, if you're listening to this out there, Hey, I mean, my mom, my mom was an accountant for a very, very long time. So, I mean, she's the one who told me that. Oh, I'm just giving you a hard time. I, you, you are right. And I honestly agree with you, which is part of the reason that I do things like start out and write a blog and build a website and now go and try and start this podcast. And, you know, it's it's funny because we're doing this interview. It's 830 at night here where I am. It's, you know, obviously you're on the West Coast, but, you know, I I am an accountant by day. So I worked until whenever, you know, this afternoon. And then now I'm here and I do this I do an interview pretty much every night. It seems like trying to build up this first season and uh, it's a lot more work than people think, but if I didn't want to do it, I'm still an accountant. So, you know, at the end of the day, it'll, it'll work out. And so I would kind of reiterate what you said that it's okay to take a chance and, yeah. you know, as long as it's something that you really want to strive for something you're passionate about, but I, uh, I really do appreciate you being here, and I don't want to take too much of your time, man. You've been absolutely a pleasure to have. But I, I was going to ask here at the end, is, um, is there any message? I mean, message is probably a wrong way to phrase that, but is there anything that you'd want to say to those people that, you know, maybe your Aggies out there, your Trojans out there, just anything else that you'd like to mention while you're here on the show? Not really. I mean, just I think that's the, you know, kind of the biggest thing is just continue to follow your passions, chase your dreams. Um, you know, you're living, you're looking at a person or listening to a person right now who's currently actualizing those things and, and waking up every day, living his dream. So um, those dreams are out there. You just got to go find them. Very well said. Well, Connor, thank you so much for being here, man. Like I said, you are an absolute pleasure. It was an awesome interview. Um, people are really going to enjoy this. And guys, if you want to keep up with Connor, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Connor underscore McQueen. That's C-O-N-N-E-R underscore McQueen. Uh, as always, don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at up to the mic underscore pod and on Facebook at up to the mic. Connor, thanks so much. Benny, thanks so much for having me. Man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm like an addict. Do I gotta have it? I ain't even playing. Got a really bad habit.